ever had a Christmas fail? <laughs> Maybe this year already you've had a Christmas fail. In fact, by a show of hands, let's just ask this quick question. How many of you uh, maybe have had a decoration fail already this year? Come on, you can raise it. All right. How many of you have maybe had a, uh, let's see, a holiday party fail? Like you've already had like, heart, uh, do you guys go to parties? <laughs> it's okay as Christians to go to parties, you know that? Like you get to party, what, what, what? Anyways, um, Kasha and I, we uh, had our staff and board Christmas party over at our house. And man, I'm telling you, like the food was amazing. Everything was great. But she actually had a Christmas fail in there. And that was her, um, her cheesecake. It didn't cook all the way through. And, uh, but I can tell you this, even though it was a fail, I had some of it later anyways. It just didn't look real pretty, but it tasted amazing. I mean, she is such a good cook. This belly does not come through just normal eating. It comes through Kasha Henley eating. And uh, man, she's a phenomenal, phenomenal cook. So even in the midst of a Christmas fail, it's still good. But, but I know for many of us in the room here today, like you maybe have experienced some type of Christmas failure, some moment where something happened. And, and here at Bethany, one of the things I love is so much is I love this idea that you and I get to gather together. And so this Wednesday, let me just, I know you just heard about it on the video, but please let me, let me drive it home again. This Wednesday, we're having a Christmas party here in the sanctuary. All the seats will be down and we'll have tables set up and there'll be people, you know, doing games. We'll have giveaways. You can bring a dish to pass, which is always good because this church knows how to cook. Because here's what I know. It's not just my wife who knows how to cook. There's a bunch of other people who know how to cook in this place. And so, man, bring a dish to share. It'll be fun that night. We'll have snacks, all that. But not just in here for the adults, but also down in Bethany. Kids, they're having a big Christmas party that night. And the remix, they're doing their thing in the remix. I mean, it's just going to be a great night. So don't miss it, 6.30 this Wednesday. And then next weekend, okay, next weekend, things are going to be different, all right? Now, I'm just preparing you right now because it really affects you guys, because you're going to have to get out of bed a little bit earlier next week, okay? So look at your neighbor and say, you got to get out of bed. Some of you are still sleeping right now, because I said, look at your neighbor and say, get out of bed! Next week, because next weekend, it's 10 a.m., one gathering on Sunday morning. Now, some of you are like, I just, I cannot get up early on a Sunday morning. That's great. That's why we have Saturday night. So the night before Christmas Eve, we're having a Saturday night gathering at 6 o'clock. Now, here's the thing. I know it's Saturday, but it's going to be the same message as Sunday. I know some of you are like, oh, can you do that? Yes. <laughs> you can do it. It's called multiple gatherings, all right? So Saturday night, 6 p.m. So some of you are like, man, we have Christmas traditions that we want to get to, and really that's the heart behind it. People have asked, well, why aren't we doing all these different things? We want you to spend time with your family. We want you to spend time with them and to hang out and do stuff. So that's why we're saying Saturday night, you can come, 6 o'clock. Come, bring your family. It'll be a great night. And I promise it's going to be a great experience. But if you're like, no, nah, you know, I, I don't want to come in on Saturday, then come on Sunday morning. But here's what I'm going to say. On Sunday morning, we're doing one gathering. It's going to be packed. And so just, it, it'll be fine. We'll have a place for you, okay? So don't think, well, I'm just not going to come because it's going to be packed. Well, if you don't come 
then it won't be packed. Okay? So like, come, be a part. It's going to be awesome. Don't make it a Christmas fail. <laughs> now here's the thing. We're going to have we're going to have cookies on Saturday night. So if you're like one of those who loves Christmas cookies, we're going to have a whole bunch of Christmas cookies. If you're one of those who says, I'm not a real big Christmas cookie fan, but I do like a little donut in the morning, then come, we'll have donuts. And we always have good coffee every week. In fact, isn't our coffee great? Come on now. In fact, when you, when you see some of those team members out there from from our hospitality team, and they're out there filling those coffees because you guys like to drink a lot of coffee. When they're doing all that, man, tell them thank you. Say, thank you for doing what you do. I appreciate it. When, when someone holds the door open for you, say, man, thanks for smiling at me. And if they're not smiling at you, just look at them and just say, smile. <laughs> Christmas fails. You know, when I think about Christmas fails, sometimes my mind goes to receiving presents. How many of you like to receive presents? Come on, like you like to receive them. It's okay. It's okay. I'm asking the question. It's okay. You can, you can. So, you know, through the years, you know, people have given a lot of different gifts at Christmas time. And uh, how many of you have ever received a gift that you didn't really want? Come on, raise your hand. Come on, yep, we've all, we've all gotten different gifts. My mom and dad are here today, and can you give my parents a big hand? They're here with me today. My mom taught me everything good, anything bad. It was my dad who taught me those things. But uh, no, I love my parents. They're awesome. Through the years, though, my mom has given some interesting gifts. Like I remember one year she got us these lighthouse sweatshirts. They were the most horrendous gift any person should ever receive. But the problem is that she didn't just get one for me. She got one for Kasha. She got one for the rest of our family. She got one for herself. She got one for my dad. And I'm telling you, they were horrendous. She was so excited to give that gift because she, this is what she said. She's like, oh, I got such a great deal. The store was going out of business. Yeah, well, there's a reason the store was going out of business. It's because they were producing horrible sweaters, sweatshirts. But I, I, I thought, you know, maybe I should share some gifts that have been given at Christmas. And so I went online, and I was just searching various sites and, and was going through and just finding the top Christmas gifts out there that I thought you could really appreciate. But I want you to know I, I also use discretion. Like, I was going to show this picture of this one Christmas gift that was given, but I just didn't think it'd be appropriate. It, it, was a, it was a golf game that you do while you're sitting down on the toilet. And I just, I just didn't think that would be a good picture to show in church on Sunday morning, so you're welcome. So, but I did come across some doozies, so here we go. Top 10 Christmas gift fails. So, you know, you know kids are always wanting beats you know their, their headphones and so this is what someone gave their kid right here some beats that's pretty awesome there kid got some beats here we go number two this one's awesome you know so now let me explain this like 
I was reading on this, and, and it was Christmas cookies that the neighbor had given them on this plate. Now look at that. It says, not for food use, article may poison food for decorative purposes only. <laughs> Man, could you imagine getting those Christmas cookies? And that's what the person said. They said, I literally, we ate the cookies, and later we went to clean the dish. We were so thankful, and then that's what it said on the bottom of it. Here we go. Uh, this one, now I don't endorse uh, lottery tickets, but I thought this was too good to pass up. It says, Chris, for Christmas, I got you $25 of lottery tickets. I went ahead and scratched them off for you. You won $2. Here's that two bucks. <laughs> I'm not endorsing lottery, okay? But, but I just, I could, I could pass that one up. Here we go. Uh, this one I thought was great for kids. Extreme chores. It's like to go with the Wii. So there's a, there's a shovel and a rake, a litter box. I mean, what is that? Like you follow the cat around, you know? <laughs> Dig out the sandbox of the kids on the game. I mean, that's, that's, that's horrible. That's like, that is the worst Christmas gift ever. Maybe some of you will like this, but I think this is a horrible gift. Here we go. Uh, inflatable cat unicorn horn. It's just creepy in so many ways. I know some of you love cats. I know you love cats. First gathering, there was someone I know who loves cats, so I was really, I was really cautious. I'll be cautious again this time, but... <laughs> Anyways, we'll just leave that there. I, I love this one. Uh, here we go. Gift not included. <laughs> some of you are like, that's a great idea. Just throw a battery in a bag and a certificate right there, gift not included. <laughs> All right, this, this is a good one. Maybe, you know, you get this for your husband, you know, as he's going around the house and stuff. Look at that. Clean stride. It's a two-pack. You just strap them onto the front of your shoes and you can sweep the floor. I mean, look at it, 25% wider path um, right there. Tackles a full 18-foot path right there. Yeah. Oh, do you see that? Clean your way to sculpted calves. Sure, these are, these are great Christmas gifts. Uh, this, one, this one's probably my favorite. In fact, if I would have thought ahead, I would have I had a pair to wear today. Right here. <laughs> Hander pants is what they're called. Hander pants. They're uh, underwear gloves is what they basically are. Hander pants. Those are awesome right there. Um, those are just wrong, yeah. Here, here we go. Now, I, I, I couldn't, this was a hard one to actually figure out whether it was a true gift or not. It just seems too crazy. Bathe and brew. Shower coffee maker plus soap dispenser. It's just, it's just, I don't know, I just, it's, it's a little hard to take in right there. Oh, there we go. That's so bad it actually went off. All right, here we go. This is, this is the last one, number 10. I think this is one of the best ones. So let me, let me paint the story behind this. So the person posted this on Instagram, and they said, worst Christmas gift ever, and then it said on it, 
Um, it said, um, it said, oh, I asked for an eye watch, is what, is what it was right there. I asked for an eye watch, and this is what they got. Ever received a gift that you weren't very happy about? Ever thought to yourself, man, this is a bad gift, but still smiled and said thanks? Ever not known what to give in a moment or what to bring? Kasha says I'm one of the hardest people to, to give a gift to. A lot of times it's because I really don't know what I want. She's like, you're very indecisive. And then she's like, and then the things you do want, she's like, they're always very expensive. And so she can't get them for me. Like, she's like, I know what you'd want. You want a Jeep, but, but I can't buy you a Jeep. And I'm like, you're right, you're right. I'm waiting for the Christmas when she puts the little Jeep, you know, in a little, in a little container, you know, a little Hot Wheels Jeep. The only thing I would say, babe, is if you do that, there better be a set of keys with it for the real one out in there. That, that, would, be, that would be a cool moment. Um, I'd love you forever for that. I already do love you forever. Yep, you are stuck with me. But one of the things I, I love so much about giving and receiving gifts is, is sometimes we do find ourselves in moments where it's like, I just, I really don't know what to give. So put yourself for a moment this morning in the Christmas story. And picture if you were going to bring a gift to Jesus, what would you bring? It, it would be pretty hard to begin thinking about that and going, man, I just, I don't know, what would I bring? What, what gift would I bring to Jesus if it was Christmas morning? Like if I was there and I was celebrating his birthday, what, what would the gift be? And I think for many of us, we could feel like various things that would come to our mind, we would say, well, that's a Christmas fail, that that moment of trying to bring that, oh, no, that wouldn't work. And, and some of you say, no, this would be a great idea. And other people say, no, that's just, that's just a bad idea. So what would you bring him? In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, we read this passage of Scripture that takes place after Jesus has been born. I was thinking about this and thinking about it this morning and thinking about this gift that would be brought. And, and basically what happens is, is these wise men come from afar. They come to, to bring Jesus a gift. Now, if I was to ask you what gift they would bring, probably most of us would say, well, it's gold, frankincense, or myrrh. But I want you to think of something different this morning because I think those are simply byproducts of the gift that they really were bringing. It says this, in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came, or from the east, came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. See, the thing that they were bringing to Jesus was not the gold, was not the frankincense, was not the myrrh. They were actually bringing to him worship. Their one goal, their one 
idea that they were bringing to Jesus was, we're coming to worship him. What I love about this is that the wise men didn't come to get something from God, but they came to give him something, their worship. Tragically, Christianity has really been reduced to this kind of formula so often where people think that if they actually believe that God exists, but they believe he exists for us, that if we do the right thing, if we pray the right prayer, if we act the right way, then God will do whatever we want him to do. It's almost like we treat him like he's Santa Claus. Like as long as we're good and we stay on the nice list, then we can get whatever we want. We think things like as long as my Instagram posts are always have my morning devotional with them, with coffee by it. As long as I hold my tongue and don't act out in anger. As long as I do the things that God's told me to do, then, then he'll somehow grant me all my desires and requests. But the reality of it is, is that's not why God exists. See, he doesn't exist for us, but we exist for him. You and I were created to glorify him, to worship him, to make him known, and to bring him honor. I'll be real honest with you this morning that as a church, I believe that the one thing we can always bring to Jesus, not just during the Christmas season, not just on his birthday, quote-unquote, the one thing we can bring to Jesus each and every day is our worship. You see, God desires our worship. Our worship, I will say this, is our daily gift to God. Each and every day, you can bring worship to him. Each and every day, you can say, God, this is what I'm bringing to you. I'm bringing you my worship. I'm ascribing worth to you, Father. I'm, I'm bringing you my worship. I'm, I'm putting my attention and my focus on you. I'm bringing you my worship. And worship isn't just something we give to God on the weekends, but it's actually something we give to him every day. See, worship isn't something we do. As a worshiper, it's who we are. See, worship isn't something we do. It's the fact that we're worshipers. It's who we are. We were created to worship God from the depths of our hearts. My heart's desire is that Bethany would be known as a place where there's a culture of worship that goes from the youngest kids all the way up to the, to the oldest. That each and every one of us would be worshipers in our hearts and we would say, man, my life has is, is actually been made to worship God. And it wouldn't just be on Sunday mornings because see, here's what happens is when you think Sunday mornings is just the moment where we sing a song, you're missing out on so much more. That's simply one expression of worship. But what happens is, is, is these worship wars, quote unquote, happen around the church. And so, so people will say this, they'll go, I'm not going to worship God. Well, why aren't you going to worship God? Well, I don't like how loud the music is. I don't like the fact that they had a guitar player up there and he was doing all those swells and stuff on that guitar. I don't like that stuff. Can you believe they had a drummer up there? And, and, and then it was a young person. Did you hear how, how strong he was beating on those drums? He looks like a model up there. Well, yeah, that's because he works out all the time. 
But you can get so caught up in all of that stuff, right, that, that you can be like, well, I'm just not going to worship. I don't like that song. Maybe, maybe you really like hymns, and you're like, we haven't sung a hymn in a long time. I've been counting. It's such and such weeks. Maybe for some of you, it's, you're like, I, I, it's about time we finally sing a Christmas song this Sunday. But it really wasn't even that much of a Christmas song. It was Alleluia. What about Frosty the Snowman? Can't we worship to that? We get so caught up in these things that we think that that's what worship is about. But worship isn't just the songs we sing in those moments. Worship is who we are. It's a part of who we are. It's constantly putting our attention and our focus on God. See, God wants to intimately know you. He wants you to worship him passionately. See, the wise men would have been known for their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but what they really brought was worship. Back to the scriptures in chapter 2 of Matthew, verse 3, it says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Pause here for a minute. Now we know that what they said they came to do was to worship. The gift they were bringing was worship. And what does Herod do? Herod gets all upset about it. Herod is, he is livid about the fact that somebody else is going to worship someone other than him. So Herod, and, and scholars will tell us, he was crazy. Like, and I don't have time to get into all the craziness of Herod, but, but I mean, he was killing everybody around him. He was paranoid. I mean, like, someone do something, you know, it didn't matter if they were family. He's like off with their head. I mean, like, he's killing everybody. He's paranoid. He's freaking out. Anyone else getting worship but him? He was so consumed with himself that the scriptures tell us that he's troubled simply because these wise men who come from afar, they're coming out and saying, hey, you know what? We're here to worship the newborn king, the one that's been prophesied about. Herod has such incredible influence over everyone around him that the scriptures tell us this, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. But they all knew. Because remember, there was many people who actually failed to see the Christmas story. They failed to see the extraordinary happening around them. They, they failed to see others around them. They failed to see themselves in the Christmas story. And thus, they, they failed to see the provision that God was actually making for them. And so here we have once again this moment where all the town finds themselves in this moment of, of disarray. But they tell him, it says, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. He's so paranoid, he, he, he's like, okay, Tell me the details. Like, so when did that star first appear to you guys? Because in his mind, he's trying to figure out who could take his place of worship. It says, and he sent to them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I may come and what? 
and worship him. See, we know the gift that the wise men bring is actually worship because Herod doesn't say, so I can come and give gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He actually says, so I can come and worship too. The real gift that they were bringing was their worship. Now that's good news for us because some of you, you don't have gold sitting in your pocket right now. You don't have frankincense, you don't have myrrh, you don't have you know, exotic spices and all these different things and, and the meanings behind them. And I know there's all these meanings behind it. I understand, I'm not discounting that. But what I am saying to you and I is this, is they brought their worship, which is the one thing you and I can bring every day. Every day we can bring our worship to the Father. But then in verse 10, we see something unfold. Something that I will say is the four postures of worship, and I'll share those here in a moment. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then it says, in going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What's interesting to think about in this is, is worship has a cost. Worship has always had a cost. I mean, the wise men came from afar. I can't, I keep saying that. And I was at the senior, uh, <laughs> I was at the senior thing, uh, Christmas luncheon this past week, and on Friday, and, and we did lunch for all those, uh, a bunch of seniors at the Adrian Senior Center, and I told this joke about how this, there was this young boy who um, had drawn on his paper, he's from East Texas, and he had drawn on there uh, baby Jesus with a fire truck and three firemen. And he won this contest, and everyone thought it was really creative and everything, and so the the principal went to the young boy and said, well, you've won. Can you please explain your, 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 um, your drawing that you did? And he's like, oh, yeah. He said, <laughs> this is where, <laughs> with his East Texas voice, well, I drew firemen because the scriptures say the wise men came from afar. <laughs> from afar. So every time I keep saying it up here, I keep hearing the joke in my mind, and, and I realize I keep saying it that way from afar. <laughs> but here's what we need to know. We need to know worship has a cost. Four postures of worship. The first is this, is get excited. The second is go in. The third is assume the position. And the fourth is give what you have. Four postures of worship. Let me focus in on the first one, get excited. It says this, it says, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now I want you to think about this for a moment this morning because I get pumped when I think about this because here they are, the, the wise men have traveled, they've, they've it's, it's been great cost to them, right? Like they've traveled from afar. They've traveled from, from a really long distance away. And here, they, here they, they finally arrived. 
And I love what the passage of Scripture says, because it says with, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, some of you may say, well, what does to rejoice exceedingly mean? If you look at other translations throughout the Scriptures, you see this. One translation says overjoyed. They were overjoyed. Another says they could hardly contain themselves. Another says they were filled with joy. Another says they were overwhelmed with joy. Another says they shouted joyfully. The idea is, is that they went all in. They were so excited about the moment because they knew it had had a cost to it that they find themselves in that they are just overwhelmed with joy. I wonder when the last time you got overwhelmed like that in worship. When was the last time that you were so excited, you're like, oh my goodness, like, I get to be in the presence of God. Like, this is incredible. Now, if you put yourself in the story, just imagine you're one of the wise men, you arrive. I can just, I can picture it like this. Like, they're like, dude, the star stopped. This is it? What? Yes! I don't know what that was, but man, that was like an excited, like, you're pumped. Like, you're just, you're like, I can't believe this. This is it. Like, come on. Now, you know, there's three gifts, so we always put it like there's three people there. But there probably was more. So imagine they're all like, oh, man. Like, who's going first? And they're like, oh, dude, you go first. No, 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 you go first. No, no, you go first. No, 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 you go first. And they're just pumped. They're excited. Because why? They get to see the Messiah. Now, immediately, a lot of us in the room were like, man, that's how I would be. I would be that same way. If I could see the Messiah, I would be so excited. I, I would be so pumped. Well, let me give you one, one up on that. You should be that way every time. And the reason is, is because you not only get to see the Messiah. No, no, no. You have the Messiah living inside of you. See, the whole... The whole thing about the gospel, the good news, is Jesus left heaven and came to earth because he desires to have a personal relationship with you. You have the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, who desires to live inside of you, like to be a part of your life, to be a part of the way you think, the way that you act. Like You have the greatest gift ever. You should be excited. Every day you should be like, man, I get to, I get to wake up today and worship the king. Like, I get, to, I get to be a part of the greatest generation ever. Like, I get to be a part of seeing people healed. Like, I get to be a part of seeing people's marriages restored, seeing people set free from addictions. Listen, if you don't think the gospel is good news, you better wake up. It is good news not only to you, but to everyone. It's something to get excited about. And that's what the scriptures tell us. They got excited. They got excited. And, you know, here at Bethany, we love expressive worship. And there are times where, where man, there are times where, honestly, on the front row, I'll be sitting there, and sometimes my hands are like this. Sometimes they're like this. Sometimes they're like this. Sometimes I'm sitting. Sometimes I'm standing. Sometimes I'm jumping up and down. Sometimes I'm just paused. Sometimes I'm singing and lifting my voice. Other times I'm crying. There are all these different moments because why? Because I'm so excited to be able to worship the King of Kings. I'm so excited to be in those moments. And so I do. I raise my hands. My, uh, here's what I know. I know some of you, that's not as comfortable for you. 
I've stood in the back at times and watched not a whole lot of people raising their hands. And somebody like, it's just awkward. Well, let me encourage you with something. It's all about taking steps, right? And so I, I came across this video and I was thinking, this may help you in the steps to worship. So watch it. I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know. Anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Anybody here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> Some of you are trying. You're like, I can't. I want to. I need to get some momentum. <laughs> totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. We've got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking, start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle. Get warmed up. Get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. We got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go. There's your big three. <laughs> so come on, like... If you've been struggling with which ones to do, just start it on low. It's all right. The thing I love so much, though, is that as followers of Jesus, we can get excited. We can be excited to worship the King of Kings. Psalms 63 verse 1 says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in the dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and behold your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. 1 Timothy 2.8 says, Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. What we're reading here is people who are expressive in their worship, people who are saying, God, you are worth everything. It's a moment of surrender, of saying, God, I lift up my hands to you. 
David, in probably one of the lowest times of his life, pens these words. Oh Lord, I am calling to you. Please hurry. Listen when I cry to you for help. Accept my prayer as an incense offered to you and my unpraised hands as an evening offering. Here's a question I have for you this morning. What if you got excited for worship? What if you got excited to worship God every day? What if every day you woke up excited to worship? Like every day you were like, I get to worship the King of Kings today. Today is my day where I'm going to worship. What if every day you got excited to worship? That's the first posture. The second is this, is go in. Go in. It says this, it says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. See, they weren't sitting on the outside. No, they, they went into the house of the Lord. They gathered in together. They didn't just, they didn't get there and like, whoa, this is exciting, we're there, and then not go all the way in. No, they, they went in because they knew that being there together with others in the room was actually going to be pretty life-changing. Can I just encourage you in something? Go in to the house of God every week. Every week you should be coming in being like, I am so excited that I get to worship with other people. And there are many of us in the room, that's it. I see it in you. You come in, you're like, man, I can't miss church this week. It's not because it's like the fix. It's because you can't miss being in the house with other people. You're like, I got to go in. I got to go in with other people. There's something to be said about gathering around other believers because there are some times where you don't want to go in, isn't it? There are some times where you just don't feel like being around other people. There are some times that, that you just, you just struggle yourself. First gathering, I was talking about this and I said, you know, the reality of it is, is this morning I didn't even want to be here. I don't know what it is that I've been going through, but it's not been pleasant. It's not a sin thing. Kasha and I are fine. It's not that. It's, it's, not, it's not even Bethany. It's not like I'm, like I'm not going anywhere. It's nothing like that. I'm just going through something right now, and I don't even know how to describe it. I was driving in the car with my dad last night just to come into town, and I just said, man, I just, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's depression. I don't, I don't know. I've never felt this way before. I've never, I've never ever felt this way. Kasha's seen it in me so much that literally this, this week, she's like, Brian, I, I really feel like we need to have a prayer time for you. So on Wednesday nights, we gather for prayer, and we're normally praying for all these missionaries and things around our community. She's like, I just want the whole night to be prayer for you. She's like, are you okay with that? And I was a little apprehensive, honestly. I was just like, I mean, I know I need it, but it's like the whole night prayer for me. Like, she's like, I really think we need to. And then, then it was just, it was crazy because I was like, oh, yeah, in the biggest snow of the year. 
And so I think about this morning, I think about like the struggle I'm going through and all those things. And, and, and here's the thing I know. Yeah, I didn't want to go, but I needed to go. Like, I'm telling you, it was beyond this morning. It was beyond just me doing it because this is my job. It was like this morning, it was like God was like, no, Brian, you need to be here because I have something for you. Like, I, I've, got, I've got something for you, Brian, that you're going to need, but, but you've got you've to press in. You've got you've to go in. You can't just stay on the outside, Brian. You've got to go in. You've got to get excited. You've got you've to say, man, I know I'm all in. Like, I have Jesus living inside of me. That's the greatest thing. Listen, there is no worries. There's no other things that are greater than the fact that I have Jesus living inside of me. Listen, if I die right now, I'm going to heaven. Yeah. I think I would miss you, but I probably won't because I'll be in heaven. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, dude, let me, send me back, God. It's not like the TVs, right? Like, I'm going to be like, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> like, I'm going to be excited when I walk up to Jesus and, and I, I'm looking for those words where he looks at me and goes, Brian, not perfect. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> but well done. Well done. You see, we got to go in. We got to go in even when we don't feel like it. We got to go in. I'm telling you, there's something about being gathered around other people, about going in that makes a difference. Psalms 142 verse 2 says, I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell him my trouble. I cry to you, Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of living. God is our refuge. He is the thing that we run to. Psalm 62 8, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Psalms 42, 3, my tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? But remember what it says. It says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The psalmist was saying, listen, I remember those moments where God was faithful. I remember the moments where I went into the house of God. I remember the moments where I saw the presence of God. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves, because we don't feel all that excited, that we just got to go in. We got to go in and see what God is doing. We need to be gathered around other people. Lamentations 2.19 says, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Pour it out like water in the presence of the Lord. Go in. Get excited. Go in. So here's the question. What if you got into worship? What if you got in? What if every week you were like, man, I just got to be, be around other believers. I just got, man, I just need, I just need it. Like, I, 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 I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to go in. I'm excited to hang out with other people. I'm excited that Jesus Christ is living in me. I'm excited to worship. What if every day that was a part of your heart to where literally you were like, man, I just can't get enough. I, can't, I just can't get enough. Like, like, I want more of God. Like, I want more of his presence. And it's just going to come out of you. Number three. Assume the position. The scriptures say, and they fell down and they worshiped him. They fell down and they worshiped him. Now think about this. This is grown men, maybe some ladies, but they're grown adults. 
kneeling down and worshiping, bowing down to a two-year-old, most scholars say. A two-year-old. When was the last time you bowed down to a two-year-old? When was the last time you wanted to be around a two-year-old? Think about it. It's hard enough having a two-year-old. It's, it's hard enough having had a two-year-old. It's hard enough even being around a two-year-old. And what happens is we're always judging parents around us based on their two-year-old. But there's something to be said of a kid who's, in two, you know, who's two years old. Why? Because they call it the terrible twos. Why? Because I remember when my kids were in the terrible twos. Think about it. Now, now, I don't know if Jesus did this, but let's just say. Maybe he banged his fork on the table. Maybe he threw his fork. Maybe he screamed every now and then. Maybe he had his own terrible twos. We don't know. I mean, he was Jesus. I love how a comedian said it. He was talking about two-year-olds. This is what he said. He said, two-year-olds are like little, tiny, crazy crackheads. <laughs> he said they got stained clothes. They're toothless. They're crazy. They say things like, I'm a cat. No, I'm a dog. I'm a dinosaur. They're liars, he says. He says they're kind of gross. They got crackers in their nose. And then he said, and the worst of all is that a two-year-old will look you in the eyes. He'll look you right in the eyes, all while taking a dump. <laughs> now, I know I'm probably not supposed to say that in church, but that's what the comedian said. Now, we don't know about Jesus. I mean, maybe he didn't. Maybe, maybe when Mary went to the, the local preschool with all the other kids, she's sitting there and the parents were like, man, my kid was horrible, man. He pooped his pants like four times and this and that. And Mary walks in and she's like, my kid's never pooped his pants. In fact, he washes himself. Man, he's like, he's the most amazing kid ever. Man, he cleans the house. He does this. He does that. Maybe that's how it was or maybe it wasn't. But here's what I need you to really picture. Grown adults bowing down and worshiping a two-year-old. See, some of you are like, man, I just, to raise my hands in church, to worship, to, to put my attention and focus on, on the creator of heaven and earth, man, that, that would be embarrassing. Think about if you were an adult bowing down and worshiping a two-year-old. Psalms 95, verse 6 says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are His people of His pasture, the flock under His care. All throughout the Scriptures, we see these moments of people bowing down in worship. They are assuming the position. Listen, I'm not saying that, that it's always bowing down. Sometimes it's standing with your hands upraised. Sometimes it's just looking up into heaven. Sometimes it's just being still. I think about a lot of the Christmas songs and like, oh, holy night, and it says, fall on your knees. See, when life gives you more than you can stand, many of us, what we need to do is we need to kneel. Mark 10, 17 says this, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him and said, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what we see in this moment is this man is kneeling in pursuit of Jesus. He's like, listen, my my position, my posture with you right now is going to be simply kneeling in pursuit of you. 
I think of Luke 5, 8, where Simon Peter, it says, realized what had happened. He fell down to his knees. And he said, Jesus, oh Lord, please leave me. I am too much a sinner to be around you. What we see is Simon Peter, after a moment of failure, kneeling in repentance. Or we think of Luke 22, verse 29, it says this, and this is speaking of Jesus. Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond the disciples. He knelt down and prayed, and he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. What was Jesus doing? He was kneeling in submission. Kneeling in submission to the Father. See, kneeling to pray and worship is often what gives you and I the strength that we need to stand throughout the week. So here's the question. What if you assumed the position in worship? What if you assumed a position in worship of kneeling down or bowing down or, or putting your attention and focus on him? What could change if you assumed the position? And the fourth is this. What if you give what you have? I never really noticed this till I was preparing, and it says this. It says, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Notice it says opening their treasures. Think about it. Each one of them had something that they could bring, and each one of them brought it. It says they opening their gifts. See, some of us, we look at the gifts of others, and we think, I don't have that gift, so I can't bring it. Some of you already said, man, I, I couldn't bring gold. I couldn't bring frankincense. I couldn't bring myrrh. I couldn't even bring the things they represent. I couldn't bring those things to the Father. I don't have those. But here's the thing. God isn't looking for things you don't have. He's looking for things you do have. He's looking at the talents he's already placed in you, the resources he's already placed in you. He's saying, will you bring those things? He's not asking for you to somehow muster something up and somehow come up with something that you could bring. He's saying, no, no, just look at what you got right now. If you'll bring what you have right now, that will be worth all of it. And what do you and I have? We have our worship. We can constantly be saying to God, here it is, I'm going to worship you through my serving. I'm going to worship you, God, through my giving. I'm going to worship you through praise and worship. I'm going to worship you, God, through prayer. I'm going to worship you through the things I have. You see, when you give what you have, what happens is, is God is lifted up in those moments Romans 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. To offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Proverbs 3, 5 through 10 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. What is it talking about? It's talking about people who are trusting God with what they do have, and what does God do? He just keeps giving them more. Because why? Because God isn't looking for things you don't have. He's just looking for what you do have. So here's the question. What if you gave all that you had in worship? Four postures of worship. What if you got excited? What if you got excited to be able to worship the King of Kings? 
What if you went all in? What if you were like, I'm just going in. I'm going in. I'm going into the house of God. I'm, I'm going to go in. I'm going to be involved in a group. I'm going to be involved where people of God are gathering together. What if it went from there and you assumed the position? You were like, God, man, right now it's a moment where I feel like I need to kneel down to my knees. Man, there's a moment where I just need to, to just lay on the ground right here. Man, there's a moment where I need to dance around. There's a moment right here where you would just assume the position. And then number four, what if you just, what if you would just give what you have? Stop looking to what other people have and just give what you have. Trust God with what you have. Someone spoke over me in between the gatherings and I received it. And they came up to me and they said, Pastor Brian, they said, I really felt like all week, and they said it was all week long, I felt like what I was battling for you is, is I was battling against a spirit of oppression over you, a spirit of depression over your life. Like all week long, I've been feeling like I was, was praying and battling this for you. And then I had a few others who came up and said the same thing. And she said this to me. She said, you know, Pastor Brian, she said, I really feel like the Lord is saying when you deliver this message today and because you've been faithful with it, that he's going to break that in my life. And I receive that. You see, sometimes I can stand in front of you and I feel like I don't have anything to give and God reminds me, he's like, yeah, you don't. All I'm asking you to do is be a vessel, Brian. Listen, I, I know sometimes you don't feel like you have much to give. Sometimes you can feel like it's a Christmas fail. You can feel like, man, I, I just don't even know what to even bring. I hope that today you're encouraged because you have something that only you can bring. It's your worship. It's the reason why God did not make us robots. He desires your worship. He didn't, he, he created us in his image and, and he put into us, I believe he hardwired into us this spirit to want to worship him. But here's what I'll say. I will say this though. He gives you and I the choice. I believe in free will. I believe that he gives us that choice. Now I know theologically some of you are like, you're turning me off right now. Turn me off. Listen. You can choose to worship the Father. And if I could encourage you with anything, listen, worship him. Get excited. Go all in. Assume the position. Give what you have. Like, just say, God, I'm going to give you my worship. Here it is. Here it is. I'm excited to worship you. I'm going in. I'm assuming the position, whatever that may look like. I'm giving whatever I have. Why? Because he's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of our worship, of our praise, of our adoration. He's worthy of our attention, our focus. So across this room, could you do this with me? Could you just close your eyes for a moment? Could you just assume the position right now, whatever that would look like for you, where you would just say, God, I'm, I'm gonna give you my worship. Father, I know across this room, there are burdens that people are carrying. God, there are things that people feel like they're facing all alone. But Father, right now you are reaching out to them and you are saying, listen, I am crazy, madly in love with you. So much so that I left heaven and came to earth. 
so that you could be set free from the sin, from the bondage, from the things that that you were never meant to carry. And today I believe God is reaching out to you and he's saying, I not only want your worship, I want your heart. And many in this room have surrendered to him. There's a moment where we prayed a prayer. There's a moment where we drew a line in the sand. There's a moment where we accepted the free gift of salvation from the Father, where we said, Jesus, forgive us of our sins. And he came in and he forgave us. He changed our lives. But maybe today you're here in this room and you've never asked him for that. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. You've never prayed that prayer. Or maybe others of you, maybe you've, you've fallen back, man. Like it's been quite a long time ago that you did that. You've lived a completely different life. Not a life that would acknowledge that, but a life that would actually say, no, that's not your life. And today God is saying to you right now, he's saying, listen, I don't care where you've been and I don't care where you, what you've done. I still love you right where you are. He's still crazy, madly in love with you. And he desires a relationship with you today. And he's asking if you'll receive it. It's a gift. And he's saying, will you receive this gift? So if today you're in this room and you've never received the gift of salvation, I know how to pray a real simple prayer with you that we believe will get you started on that road where you'll be able to remember the moment when you gave your life to Christ. If that's you, just real quickly, I'm just going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you just to real quickly just to raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me. I see that hand right there. You say, that's me, that's me. Father, we pray for this one right now who's raised their hand, and I pray for others who maybe would be watching online or maybe even others in this room who would just be a hard moment. I pray right now that you will receive them, God, as they're receiving you. Let's all pray this together. Would you say, Jesus, right now, I believe that you died on the cross for me. And right now, I accept your free gift. Forgive me of my sins. Change my life. From this moment forward, I will live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here, real quickly. Maybe today you're sitting here and, and you're thinking this in your mind. You're going, God, what would it look like for me to bring my worship to you this Christmas season? I want you to think about those four things. I want you to think about what would it look like for you to get excited? Come on, some of you need to get excited. You have Jesus living inside of you. Some of you, I mean, you, got, you need to go all in. Others of you, you got to remember You've got, to, you've got to sit there and you've got to be like, you know what, God, I'm not only going all in, but I'm going to assume the position. I'm going, to, I'm going to put myself in moments where I can just sit in your presence and just take it in. And then others who just remember that you have something to give. And if you'll do that, I believe Christmas won't be a Christmas fail this year. It'll be a moment of you winning as you bring your worship to God.